0: I want to make sure that I introduce to some and present to others of high-level wisdom for new generation leaders, uh, my good friend and second-time-around uh, guest, uh, Jim Carr. Jim, how are you today? And thanks so much for joining on the show.
1: Oh, Chris, uh, I am terrific. Love the return trip. Thank you for the opportunity <laughs> to talk to your growing audience. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with losing a little hair. That's what- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so.
0: yeah uh somebody asked me you know it was funny i was in a leadership uh uh luncheon and um it was me another younger gentleman and uh everybody in there was probably at least over 45 but uh, we were having a great conversation about transitions which we'll probably be able to talk about a little bit out of this conversation and uh somebody made the point uh, they were a baby boomer and they said why is it the young guys have no hair uh, I said, well, <laughs> so, well uh, I'm not really sure, but, uh, you know, we, we're, you know, it's just going bald. So
1: <laughs> it, it, it's it's a great sign, uh, I think. Um, I think Michael Jordan might have had something to do with this. Yeah. He, you start <laughs> looking back, right? He made it cool. He made it cool.
0: He definitely made it cool. So let, let's dive in here. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I have constantly run into uh, that you do on a everyday uh scenario basis is the idea behind communication what does that look like um building out a particular message whether it be for an initiative or whether it just be for um you know simple things um or there could be you know as we've seen with a lot of leadership and a lot of different organizations hey we've got some things that we've got to talk about and we got to share it with the company because it didn't go so well right? right um So what I wanted to do was um, let's start here. 2018 is coming. A lot of companies and executives are already focused on uh, their messaging. They've already started putting things out since the fall about what's to come, all those different things. Just, you know, let's let's kind of start with uh, reminiscing on this past year for you. You do messaging. That's your world. Yes. Um, you are the Jim Car for managing messages. So what are some things and some themes or some consistent pieces that you've seen throughout this year that you realize are still sticking points and things that executives, no matter where you may be in your company, all need to pay attention to?
1: Well, and chris i uh, when i think of messaging and the work that i do it's not so much kind of the grand slogan or a logo or or that sort of thing mm-hmm. i'm not thinking about a, a big mass media message or, or the like i think more of the everyday messages the everyday conversations yeah. that people have inside their company and as they talk into the outside world and so there's getting a lot more attention these days um I've certainly found in this past year is there's been more and more momentum, more and more executives are looking at this and saying, you know, there are a lot of copycat products, a lot of copycat Mm -hmm. services. There's a lot more competition. There's this pull toward commoditization. Mm -hmm. So the way that we can stand out is actually the way that we talk about the business Mm -hmm. and, and, and that gives us a bit of an advantage. So, I look at that in the way the stories that people tell the things that they know about the business the way that they're equipped to talk about it um and and you can't assume that uh, one thing i found with with a couple of clients recently is the executives were frustrated because all of their people didn't know all of the products and services that they had to offer. Wow. Like, how could how could someone work here and not know that? Um, and I, I'll, I, a few years ago, I had a friend who, uh, uh, she became the president of, it was a national fast casual restaurant chain. Mm-hmm. And you know that world, the restaurant world is full of turnover yeah. in terms of you know the wait staff and the servers and the, the hosts and hostesses and, and the like. But she came into that job and she said, you know, Jim, More people here know how to apply for time off than know what's on our menu. (laughs) And it was frustrating. But she said, you know, that doesn't need to just be the people who interact with our guests. Sure. um, Every time when they come. Everybody ought to know that. People who keep the books, who, who, you know, uh, who, who. Ah uh, manage our, uh, our our distribution and our our uh, de- uh, all our materials and things that they need. Mm. It's, it's a fundamental piece. What's on the menu? right. so in in her case, it was literal. I think in in the case of other organizations or businesses, it's more symbolic but really important. Mm. So one thing, uh, and we can talk about some some keys and a few small things that people can focus on for the next year. Uh, don't assume that everybody knows, all the things that customers can buy from you
0: that or that, why wow that is interesting and and i think well so in the defense of the person as the employee i'll just i'll put this out here playing their, their position right i think what happens is if you're an employee and there are several products that are being sold by that x company i think what happens is well I'm only focused on the one that's right now that I keep getting these communications about that we're pushing or the new change of this and that and the third, right? So I, I don't have a, I I don't, my lens is very narrow because maybe if I'm working in customer service, you guys have told me this is what we're supposed to be pushing right now. Mm -hmm. If I'm working in the back end and we're developing, you know, the next version of that particular set product and or service, right? Um, Well, I'm focused on, the, that thing right now to make it better for whatever quarter we're supposed to do the new release, right? So I think, unfortunately, there is no conversation that is continual inside of an organization that where people just get to stop and say, hey, do you even know everything that we do? Um, and it's it's actually apparent in a, in a very simple example. So when I was working uh, in financial services, um, <laughs> my mother would say, You go to work every day at a branch, and I'm like, man, there's so many other jobs that happen for a bank. And I was working on the back end doing project management and some other things, merging acquisitions. Mm -hmm. But in her mind, all she saw was just, you know, the branch. So everybody who works at a bank works in a branch, and that's not true. They do a lot of different things. There's a lot of different roles. So, yeah, I think I I can understand why an employee might not understand every single thing that goes on.
1: You bet, and, and I'm I'm not throwing darts. It's just the way that things are. You're, yeah. and you're absolutely right. <clears throat> there, there's the question of visibility. Oh so yeah. So what is what you see? You kind of know what you see, right? Right. And and oftentimes, uh, companies are trying to put in more services and products as a way to you know kind of build market share and wallet share and the like but things can come so quickly and you have new people and people changing roles and That's locations. Right. And you, sometimes they're, they're almost literally taking oh Here's our, you know, new product list or it's something like that. And, and, and please get to know this, Yeah. but people have a hundred different things going on. I, I, right. I, worked, um, during the past 12 months with a, it's a HVAC heating, ventilation, air conditioning company. So they're the guys that come in and install, you know, heat pumps and, and and air conditioning units and homes and businesses and they do maintenance work and that sort of thing right and they were a little frustrated because they had all of these cool filtration systems and things like that for air purity and, and the like like we're not we're not selling any of those you know we we tell our guys who are going out in the field that we have these new things available but for some reason we're not selling anything right well they just didn't uh, to your point earlier chris those people going out in the field where they're on a maintenance call—that's right, service call—they're really good at what they do, and they probably have pressure to, to show up at six different places that day and take care of a problem. That's right, and and be on their way. So they're working hard, but they're not—they're um, not really fully versed in the products and services, why people would buy them, and how they would help, and so it's not just a kind of a quantity of throwing information at your colleagues or employees. I do think there's a, and one of the things I've been reminded of this, this, this past year in my work is that conversational um, volume and conversational effectiveness aren't necessarily the same thing. And certainly throwing, (laughs) throwing data, throwing information at at people uh, to try to solve the issue. Sometimes it can just be too much. So I, I think as we um again we can unpack this a bit as we go but one of the things that might be really helpful for for your listeners no matter where they are in in this as as an up-and-comer uh as someone who leads an organization trying to figure all this out is maybe it's time for a little bit more focus yeah i can have a shiny object syndrome myself just like anybody else and there's (laughs) so many things as you said that you can do but when it comes to messaging A a few things to be very intentional about, you know, what we offer, what's popular, what are customers buying together? Mm -hmm. What are the things that, what are a few stories that are there that really bind us together and that we can share? So those sort of, a few things is probably going to be more effective for this coming year than two dozen.
0: Right. Absolutely. And, 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 and on that note, so uh, just moving the conversation forward, I, I recently did um a a video um that was literally uh the brainstorm of being in the kitchen one day and needing a particular uh knife uh for something we were about to eat and i couldn't find it and so i finally found it and i ate my food and i realized well this would actually be very interesting for leadership. And and, and in the video, I, I bring together a butcher knife, a butter knife, a Swiss Army knife, um, a steak knife. Um, and, and I talk about the the approach that leaders sometimes take to everyday situations, how that sends a message uh, to certain people. Um, we even do it in our personal lives like we know Um, who to take certain messages to and who we shouldn't (laughs) or we know how we have to like recraft a message because it's (laughs) like, well, you know, I know for me as as an example, there's certain things I have to tell my mother a certain way because she'll just worry that the world is falling (laughs) apart for me. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's just (laughs) right. Um, Same way we approach work, right? Like we know there's certain people we have to say certain things a certain way and the messaging has to be right. And so I, I, I didn't necessarily, I, I shared the pros and cons of each one, but I didn't say one was better than the other. I just stated around and talked about how, hey, if you are the the butcher knife type of person who looks at everything as a big whack and need to make sweeping changes across the organization, well, you might need to find somebody who's more like a butter knife, who has a soft mm-hmm. approach, who can help you deliver that message in a way that doesn't you know, make everybody want to run for the hills. Right. So I'm curious in your world, when you start talking about those different types of leadership styles that you run into, because you see these people every single day, right. Um, How, 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 how quickly do you recognize, Oh, we've got a real messaging problem here and it's not everybody else, but it's, it's this executive team that we've got to figure out how to re recraft this discussion
1: it uh it, this is is very common chris and by the way for uh for everyone there don't be too scared if you um if you see this this thumbnail image of chris holding a, a big scary knife <laughs> right yeah I, i'm not
0: I, i'm not going crazy it's uh it's a okay no no <laughs> I, I, no
1: No humans were harmed in the making of a, of a youtube that's video that's right that's right but um, you're right, and what what happens, of course, is when you think about communication and and the language that people use and the stories that they tell. Some people are in more technical teams, and they fall into a lot of different lingo, mm-hmm. and and they're comfortable in the way that they've done things. People of different generations right. have different styles and, and and the like, and I think it was a really good uh, symbolism that you had, Chris, because there are some executives that I've seen that they are, you know, everything is the cause, everything is the butcher knife. Right, right. Uh, we have a new initiative. Right. Uh, we're going to change the way that people talk about our business. We're going to change how we approach the marketplace, et cetera. And, and I think it's possible to do a transformation, but you don't have to hit everything with a sledgehammer. Right. So <laughs> the 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 executive role might be a bit like, uh, overall at a high level, uh, kind of like that butcher knife, in that th- the leader has to set the priority, mm-hmm. has to say, we're going to, this is how we're going to change. And whether it's an operational change, a messaging change, and the like, and they have to reinforce it. And the people who do it well, reinforce it every single day, That's that right. they make sure that everyone knows, this is a big deal. And we're all going to get there, we may get there in different ways, but we're all going to get there. And then the butter knife sometimes to, to use your analogy is smoothing around the edges a little bit. Right. So when people hear change transformation and that sort of thing, they, uh, what do most people do? They, they, they clinch up. Yes. Fight or flight. Fight or flight. <laughs> and, and oftentimes it's not, they're not trying to be aggressive. They're not trying to be malicious. They're just worried. Yeah, absolutely. They're worried exactly. about how it impacts them. Will I get left behind? What does this mean to me? Or they're, they're worried that they're not equipped to do it. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the butter knife sometimes is, is uh, the socialization of a messaging change. So what we do is we'll make sure that people know, have the tools that they need. We, we approach this bit by bit. Mm-hmm. So it's a, um, the, the information, the coaching, the, the sharing of, 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 of how their colleagues have done it. You know, it was scary to them too. It was a little bit of a change, but look, you know, all the other people here in the West region are doing this and they are challenging the East region. And, 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 and so making it less scary, less daunting, uh, that's kind of the butter knife there as well. I, I don't think that the, uh, that the leader has to be, I think you had the Swiss army knife in, yeah. uh, in your video. You <laughs> can't, it can't do everything. Right? right. Um, the key piece that I find in, in change initiatives is what we've typically called the middle manager. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it may not exist in quite the same way in organizations today, but mm-hmm. the, the direct report. So if you've got people like out in the field meeting with customers, they're on the front lines, to whom do they report? Sure. Where is their where's their accountability? Regardless of title. And that's where change initiatives live or die mm. is that middle that middle manager piece, because they they have their own metrics, they have their own quotas, they have their numbers, and they have their own pressures. And oftentimes people get, Chris, you, you've seen it. I'm sure that people get elevated into that next management role and they don't know what they're doing. They're worried about it too. (laughs) So I'm just trying to get, trying to keep everything rolling. And, and so the, the key, I I think for a lot of organizational leaders, if, if it doesn't seem like the change is happening consistently, or if it's not happening as quickly as you would like, think of those managers as coaches, Hmm. as kind of everyday coaches. Not with clipboards and whistles and that sort of thing, but but are they equipped to not only share with their colleagues what they need to do, but give them tips on how to do it and how to track it and encourage them along the way? Yeah, uh, and so that's where real change that sticks will take place. So,
0: so when you talk about somebody's career, um, and 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 let's talk to maybe the emerging millennial leader who's eventually going to be in that space, right? Yes. What, how important is it for them to learn um, these types of practices for when they do become that middle manager or they're now um, responsible no longer just an individual contributor but now they are managing people how important is learning how to coach in today's world uh, as fast as things, you know, change and you finally, like you said, you end up in that space and you're like, I had no idea all of this came with that role. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, how, how do you, how, you know, what should an emerging leader really pay attention to when they get into that role and how important is coaching and and where do you learn those tools to learn how to coach other people? Because a lot of emerging leaders end up coaching people far beyond their, their actual age. So there's that age yes. thing going on. How, how does all that play into that?
1: Well, it's important only if you want to be successful, Uh, really in terms of of moving beyond good intentions and the knowledge and the aspirations that you have to making it work inside a a complicated organization, as Mm -hmm. you say. Um, And I think that's one of the things that's been a big theme throughout your shows. And and when I think about that uh, between the the boomers and Xers and the the millennials and, and, and that emerging generation as well the pace of communication change mm-hmm. and what's been the, the way that um, say an emerging leader has learned to communicate in mm-hmm. but written and in, in face-to-face form and video and everything else right. is just so different, their world. right? Um, and, and that can cause a huge gap. But the emerging leader who recognizes those differences and is equipped to be able to have that, effective communication with someone who wasn't raised to text, right? who wasn't right. raised in maybe as much of a video world, as much more comfortable in a face-to-face or long form written way. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you're gonna have to adopt their same style, right. but I think being familiar with that, being comfortable with it, and, um, and, and the, the coaching piece, uh, again, where it's done very well, the uh, the leader of the organization understands in terms of skills and confidence what people need we we get very intentional about it we break it into small pieces and make sure we don't put that middle manager or that that, that middle evil mid-level rising person in a position where he or she is just not equipped to yeah. be able to succeed
0: yeah and and it's interesting because i i think um you, you're right so uh, in my case i will even say that i learned early on that the majority of the people that I was going to spend my working time with were of an older generation. So what I would literally do is figure out what do they typically, how do they like to typically communicate? So I know that 80% of the people would much rather me come to them and have a further discussion face to face. They don't want me to leave a meeting and then text them about something. And then we think that's how we're going to actually get business done. That's just not the way they operate. So I learned very early on face-to-face is more high valued, uh, in the world that I work in. Um, you know, patience is also a high value. I think now that we have, you know, these devices and everything else, what unfortunately has happened is, is we have gotten into this place where, um, you know, the, the speed of, of, of response is so assumed because I can text you, I can send a smoke signal, I can Skype you, I can do all these different things. Right. And people don't leave room for actual time to develop or execute on whatever we just came out of the meeting for. And so, unfortunately, I think it's hurt a lot of people. But you brought up something interesting, and I want to get your take on it. Um, and I'll just ask you flat out. Has has middle management or what a lot of people know and refer to as the frozen middle, is that a dying world? And 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 how can that role um, – as you mentioned, live or die and change in how they uh, uh, execute and really realize a message that's coming from
1: the top of the house. How does that work? I think it, Chris, it's changing, but I think it's always going to be there to some degree. It's changing because organizations have changed, right? So it's, we see an effort to be less bureaucratic, less big, kind of Let's, let's take organizations and, and get them, sometimes the marketplace forces yeah. to, them to shrink a little bit. We look at you know, General Electric and, and some of the other really big examples that are there. So it might not be as defined by the organizational chart or by title that we've seen in the past, but there's still someone who leads a group of other people. So I, I'm not sure what the setup was when you were back in the bowels of the financial services industry, or you're in the so-called back office, but you've had teams that were, that were getting work done. Right. Um, I see it, you know, sometimes the team is defined by location mm-hmm. or product or the like, sometimes it's far less formal. Uh, when I had the example of the, um, HVAC, the heating and, and air conditioning company, and I, I spent some time riding along with uh, what they call techs or the technicians. Those yeah. are the guys who are out meeting with customers because I wanted to see what they do and how they talk to customers and what they knew. And I asked uh, uh, the guy I, I was with on one particular trip. He had been with this company uh, less than a year. Hmm. Young guy, my early thirties. He'd been in the industry for a while, but he came over from uh, from a different company. And so I asked him, "Well, how did you?" How did you learn about what to do like if you get a, a particular situation you're not quite sure what the way is here or you're not familiar with it he said well i i just i called a couple of the guys i knew who'd been around for a while now by title there was no difference in what they did but by experience and the way that he looked up to them there was still that role That's so right. i think by your the, the question at that, that frozen middle the way that we've seen it and defined it in the past may be changing dramatically.
0: Interesting. But okay. still,
1: but there's a vacuum there. Yeah. And that vacuum must be filled. Nature will not tolerate a vacuum. That's right. So when people need to know what to know, what to do, what to say... Uh, What should I pay attention to? You know, the bosses said eight different things this week, which one's important, Uh, right? (laughs) Right. So they're, they're going to go to somebody. Yeah. And so the, the yeah, and and that's really where that middle layer is. It may look and feel a little bit different, but it's still there. And it's super important.
0: And I'm gonna give you a real, uh, a really good example. So um, I can remember at one point in my career, I didn't realize uh, until it hit me one day, exactly what you said. So, um, I had been a part of a team for some implementation of some back end stuff on a project that finally had come to bear. Everything was working well, but also throughout that time. And I mean, this was probably a 18 month stretch of time during that uh, area. I mean, we had turnover, you know, new people mm-hmm. come in, new, new, new reports and new things that would happen. And one day. Um, we had come out of a, a meeting with management and four of the 10 were brand new, but it didn't dawn on me until all four of them came to me and said, Hey, Chris, can you tell me like, what are we, what are we supposed to, to do here? And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you know that? And it, and, and it clicked and I went, Oh, I became the, the older guy just because of time. Not right. because of anything. De facto. Else. Yeah. Yes, de facto, I'm that guy now. So, oh, so now they're asking me. Oh, oh, okay. Well, here's what we do. Here's what you know. I didn't realize, but that 18 month stretch, people moved on, different changes happened, mm-hmm. and I was the guy that was still there. So, so in their mind, I'm the senior leader on the team. I'm the guy that is the go between between management and right. and, and them. And I didn't realize it. I was like, why do they keep asking me questions and it finally dawned on me? Oh, when they look around, well, he's the guy that's been here for a while. So it's, it's, it's really interesting how that can happen.
1: And I doubt that anyone gave you any coaching
0: nope. uh, yourself in that role <laughs>
1: nope. or changed your title to be you know, guru uh, no. uh, of this area, anything like that. But, but uh, that's an excellent, uh, it's a great story and it really underscores the point yeah. the that, that there's going to be a vacuum there. People are, are, are need to know what's going to be, what's important. Yep. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to know? What can I put aside? Yeah. And, and that's got to get filled. a really smart organizational leader will understand that there are going to be people like the, the, the role that you had, whether yeah. it's defined by title or not. Right. And, and, and the pace of change, as you said, um, I think is just breaking down that old that old structure and those old assumptions even faster. That's
0: right. So
1: recently I um, wrote an
0: article on Forbes dot com about your inability to apologize might be crippling your organization. And, um, I, I talked about the 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 fact of you know, you walk in one morning and this is that morning, <laughs> you know, you got the text early in the morning. Hey, we need to have a operating committee meeting, management team right now. You know, it's a you know DEFCON five kind of situation, <laughs> right, right? And right, and you as the leader find out, oh, we screwed something up, or our customers are about to be impacted, right? Whatever the case may be. You got to go out there and you got to apologize. And we have seen um, all versions of apologies <laughs> on different sides. Right. Yes. Um, and, and I wrote this article about that. When you get that phone call as a consultant or when people bring you in, when that moment happens um, and they they know why they're calling Jim, because they're like, you got to help us craft this message. Uh, mm-hmm. We 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 don't know what we don't know, right? We don't know yes. how to get this done. Talk to me about what that's like when you're when you're dealing with that version of a message where they've got to go out and apologize. They've got to we've got to show empathy. We've got to be able to tell people we get it. We got to be yes. able to make sure that when people finish seeing our town hall or reading my communication, they know they can feel a heartfelt apology. What? Yeah. Walk me through some of what kind of happens in those moments, and what you see, and and what are some best practices that that you even help you know some of your clients understand?
1: Sure, and, and I would, uh, Chris, I would kind of uh, delineate between the big Uber, you know, crisis communication, yeah, yeah. like a data <laughs> breach, you know, right, safety yeah. issues, those something are like that. Yeah, those are
0: those are huge. <laughs> those are those those know. are
1: huge, and and the basics always apply and and we all see them violated unfortunately on kind of a weekly basis but but when the big one happens it's um you gotta you gotta listen closely you gotta react quickly Mm -hmm. you can't allow that to just simmer without talking about it directly to the people who are affected there's a consistency in what you say There needs to be one. That's the time there has to be one voice. Yeah. Organizational leader. Uh, You need to fully explain. um, We understand what happened. Plain language. Be very clear about here's what we're doing to solve it. Mm -hmm. And and here's what we're going to do and be accountable to it over time so that this sort of thing doesn't happen again. Uh, The non-apology apology apology (laughs) that we've seen in a lot of people, which the, the language is usually something like, well, if you were offended or right. if you were affected, right. then I'm sorry for the way that you felt. Right. Which is a way of saying we're not admitting that we did that we did anything wrong. No, nope. but if you felt a certain way, I'm sorry that you felt right. A certain way. Right, um, and we have our commitment to excellence. Yeah. But I think far more um, important, though, because most of the most leaders aren't going to have. Thank goodness the big Uber yeah. problem. Right. Um, and I, I use Uber in kind of larger sense, not just the company Uber, sure. although they had their own, um, is, you know, there was a customer service miss or we had something that we didn't hit a deadline oh, or, right. or, or, or somebody, the, the wrong thing was said. Um, th- those are kind of the, they're, they're no less important, but they're at a, a smaller level. Absolutely. But a lot of this, the same rules can kind of apply. And I would, um, I, I, if you see a pattern of these things happening, if you're the organizational leader, what I, a, a reminder that I would say is people, in terms of what they what they do and they say, it's it's really a product of three things: it's their knowledge, their skill, and their confidence. Hmm. So, if there was, let's say, a customer service miss or a project miss, it's uh, did everyone know? What the deadline was? Did they know the standards? Did they, mm-hmm. you know, did they have? Did they know the right things? Sometimes that's an issue. Right. Um, so did they have the skills so the, did they know how to get the project done? Uh, did they have the tools that were necessary to get that? Maybe it's a project management tool. Maybe it's just, you know something uh, else that's there. And did they have the confidence and, and sometimes the ability to to step in as someone who's on the front lines and take care of a problem right mm-hmm. there or is it kind of one of those i don't know what to do i'm afraid of messing up uh and the like i had um had a friend of mine we we all have these customer service stories where you know somebody messes up a reservation you're the consumer you're the customer and and you know, lots of times they'll say, I'm sorry, you know, Mr. Williams, there's really nothing we can do but we value your business and and that doesn't work very well. Right. Or you might find a frontline person who's given the authority and has the confidence of knowing if I bend over backwards for uh, for Chris Williams, our good customer, I'm not going to get in trouble for doing that. Right. And, and so, um, I'm going to take care of the problem as best I can. And if I need to call in colleagues, I will, but I'm going to make sure that I take care of things. Yeah. So sometimes stuff just happens. We had a power outage. And so we missed a deadline for a client, you know, things like that. Right. They'll understand because they've had that happen too. The communication piece just needs to be quick and consistent and clear. Um, and then if you're the leader and you're seeing a pattern, if this is happening multiple times, and I'd say, take a step back and, and look at the knowledge, skill, confidence level that your people have, and are they equipped well enough so that you can dial these things back? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, um, you know, as I think about, uh, messaging in terms of whether it's the apology or messaging in terms of everyday communication, how things are perceived. Let's talk about I want to give a a really good practical one. Let's talk about when we're in a meeting. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about the six or seven people that sit in a room and we're having a meeting to discuss output X. And we already know that there's somebody in that room who's leading we also know that somebody there's a somebody or somebody's also in that room who are the influencers and we also knew that there are also people in that room who are the doers right that's the way i kind of a bucket a room anytime i look at it there's there's either the person leading there's some influencers in here and there's some doers that that, that's always the case no matter what room you're talking about Mm -hmm. so no matter what the conversation is or the topic how is it that the slightest things communicated in that room can be completely different on the other end. When everybody goes to execute what, what, what happens between the moment that person says, all right, we're going to do one, two, three, I'm going to do four five and six. And I want this, this, and this. All right. Do everybody got agree? And everybody agrees. But by the time they get somewhere between walking out of that threshold of the door, back to their desk. Right. And the output comes back. It's like, this is not what we said. What? Tell me what happens there and, and how, you know, organizations and, and just the, the regular, you know, team that's sitting in that room can can get the right outcomes that they're looking for in a more consistent measure. Because I'm sure it has I, to do uh, with yeah. messaging.
1: It, it, it does a lot with messaging and whether that's face-to-face or a web meeting. Um, first of all, people hate meetings. <laughs> most most people hate meetings that's right. so understand that they are a bit of a necessary organizational evil yeah that's um, true I, and so from what you described there was one uh, tip that i uh, i learned a little while back by the way if you're the leader and you want to be more effective in that meeting it's a it's a small tip and then we'll get to the, the bigger dynamic as well is uh, it's called the power of the middle and hmm. so if you notice in when there is a big, you know, governmental meeting or a blue ribbon panel or at a wedding reception or wherever the people who are most important at the table are in the middle. Hmm. And and so if you're holding a face to face meeting, uh, and if it's your meeting, or you've really got the most at stake in this, put yourself in the middle, interesting, and the way that other people see you and it also gives you a better ability to, to see everybody else. Now, the, uh, a lot of the, the questions that I hear, and, and it's probably not unique to me in, in noticing this, but when people go to a meeting, whether they say it out loud or not, they tend to be wondering, whose meeting is this, right. <laughs> and why are we meeting, and the right. and, 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 and like. So um, there should not be a question of whose meeting it is or why you're meeting. If it is the case that you just talked about here, like someone's dispensing information, there's no need for a face-to-face meeting. Mm. Um, the, the meeting, um, I, I think there's a, uh, meetings are a way to kind of gather uh, information from other people mm-hmm. to talk about priorities, to talk about challenges, roadblocks, how we're going to handle them kind of what to, you know, how to get things done uh, and do a little bit of discovery work. And then there's the socialization part, too, to so sure. make sure that some people will show up to that meeting you described, because if I don't show up to that meeting they're going to assume that I'm the main doer right. and I'm going to get a laundry list of things like that. <laughs> right. Chris, you right. okay with these five right. action items? <laughs> right. You didn't, yeah, you didn't plan to, uh, you know, take any time off during the holiday. Right. As, so, as I, as uh, I say, you yeah. get
0: voluntold, um, with a, like,
1: <laughs> Chris, given that people hate meetings and they're often wondering kind of why they're there. Do they have to be there? If they don't show up, What's going to happen to them and they get voluntold somehow. Uh, I think it's key for those meetings, uh, web meeting or especially face to face, that you only meet when you really need to, not dispensing information, but it's you may be gathering information, people um, are all heard, you're getting a a sense of priority. And if there's a probably a, a good uh, a good shorthand to go by for a meeting is, is there a decision to be made? Mm-hmm. And if there is a decision to be made that involves input from from multiple people, that's a good reason to have a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. If there's no decision to be made, then why get together? Right
0: now, uh, as a as a as a pro as an antagonist here, I'll, I'll state this because this is. The oh, arg- you're good at that. This is the argument that I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jim, that sounds great but I realize that if I send it by email, everybody doesn't get it. So I'd much rather bring my team together to be able to dispense whatever information that I need to.
1: What say you? Right. Um, I see for that sort of setting, which is more of a socialization, kind of making sure everyone's on the same page kind of deal, um, what's very effective. A lot of people have team meetings once a week, and that's really that case. So it's there's that's more of the what I would call the soft underbelly okay. of things. So, so okay. it's making sure that everybody gets the information. Right. You can acknowledge. You also use that time to kind of acknowledge good work. Yeah. Talk about things that are going on and the like. Um, I, now I know some people who do it as stand up meetings. Yes, absolutely. So and keywords uh, so, stand
0: we- up because I've been in organizations. They literally stand up for that meeting because it's only like 15 minutes. That's right. So they literally that's are right. standing up. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Some do a daily meeting, but yeah. we're going to begin our day. We'll, right. we'll do, and there'll be a specific time frame on it. And, you know, We'll do a 15-minute stand-up meeting. Others will, you know, maybe on a weekly basis. It kind of just depends on when people are around. Mm-hmm. But that's the purpose of that one. So there's not decisions to be made. That's more of hey, you know, this is the one of the few times we get together as a team, and it's reminders as people have questions, um, and again, a lot of it is is more the socialization piece. Hey, I want to call out something great that Chris did last week, you know, in front of everybody here, and and applaud that effort, and it just reinforces the culture uh, that way. But for the other ones, um, if it's not like a standing meeting, or a standing stand up meeting, uh, I'd say if there's a decision to be made meet uh and, and then make sure that people have whatever pre-work or things to have thought about at least before they come into that meeting uh and, and it'll go much more effectively and efficiently
0: absolutely all right so before we wrap up I, i'm going to give you the floor here and I'll, i'm going to ask you a question and i'm going to let you kind of talk through it so okay uh-oh <laughs> no pressure
1: so do i need to get my swiss army knife out
0: all right so, so when it comes to messaging, um, I would like to hear from you, what are some things that you are seeing that are um, concerning to you as a person who does this on a day-to-day basis that are happening when it comes to forms of communications and ways that people are communicating that you would basically say, I want people to stop doing this right? (laughs) And then, and then on the other side, what's something that you've seen in the way people communicate through some of your clients and some of the conversations that you've had that you said, this is probably one of the best practices I have ever seen when it
1: comes to really managing a message. You go. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, things that are, um, that I would say, it stop or slow down doing these things. Uh, I will tell you, in, a, in an earlier uh, episode that we did on this, I talked about one thing. And I'll just touch on it real quickly and get to something else as well. Uh, but we talked about this pattern called up-speak. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's you're trying to make a declaration. You're trying to say something affirmative. But the, the voice goes up and it sounds like you're asking a question or that you're unsure about what it is that you're saying for
0: our audience i'm going to put a link of that particular episode in the description it was a fascinating conversation and something that i think we should all uh make sure we pay attention to you like i did that? yeah i
1: I think that would be a good idea (laughs) so um and and, and it's a very common pattern and it's not just millennials or younger, right. it is, I found it has spread a lot. Yes. But um, and, and you'll find in the links to that, everyone, um, that is something that organizational leaders notice, and they say that the, the vast majority of them say that will hold people back mm-hmm. from advancement mm-hmm. and the and, and like. So there are times when you really are the expert, or you really have to help people knowing what to do, you can't come across as defensive or unsure. Mm-hmm so uh, so that's uh, that's one Um, you know I I found and this was and I won't name the the company Chris but there was something that it was vivid to me uh, in the past 12 months Um, it was uh, it's a well-known kind of high-tech company uh, populated with a lot of really smart younger people and I was working with their uh, some of their salespeople and um, one of the things that we were doing is in terms of putting together a toolkit is saying, what were some of the emails that, uh, that some of your, 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 a players here have used in order to get meetings and, and help prompt conversation. Hmm. And so they said, oh, we've got a few stars and they've done really well. And so a sales manager had forwarded to me some of the actual emails that, that their best people had sent. Hmm. And what I found really interesting was that um, the the language and the, the the things that were used it they read like a text message. interesting. So rather than an email. and I, I was actually a little taken aback because I thought, <laughs> You know, if if you're if you're telling a story face to face, there's a certain language that you use. If you're in an email or on the phone, there's a certain language you use. Texting and I mean things like if you were saying you are, Mm like Y O U A R E, Mm -hmm. in a text you and I might just go the letter U <laughs> and the right. letter R, but this was in an email wow. to a prospective customer on, on the business side. Interesting, and 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 it was just not recognizing the the if you might call them the boundaries yeah. or the different formats of that sort of thing. So um, I I we we just kind of got people's heads around. If I'm sending an email versus a text versus whatever, yeah. just kind of getting in the right language mode that was there so that they wouldn't put people off on the other That's end. Right. You can imagine that kind of an email going to someone who's in their 50s or 60s right. and getting them. They were wondering why they weren't getting more meetings. Right, right. Uh, so, um, and then uh, f- things that work well. Uh, and, and I just off the top of my head, one of them uh, is, is more visual selling. visual Mm. communication. So so people, um, I find a lot in, let's say brainstorming sessions and organizational meetings, people like to go to a whiteboard Mm -hmm. or a flip chart, things like that. And I'm finding in offices around that it's much more common that they have a lot of whiteboards around, yeah, um, or or whiteboard paint along the mm-hmm. uh, the wall of a conference room and the like. So, it's when you're getting together in terms of coming up with ideas and the like, that's really effective. And that's there's a there's a, there's a skill and a structure to whiteboarding. Um, it, it's it's helpful for people to be understood. In a time when there is more data, more words, more stuff yeah. around the the ability to kind of take that and, and make simple pictures and process models and test your assumptions. So um, maybe you you had a project or a process improvement in your days in financial services and you can talk about it all you want. But maybe to be able to go and draw some boxes and arrows and in relationships that are there about what you see is workflows today versus what they could or should be. That's really clarified. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, um, oftentimes with, uh, work, work, teams, salespeople, uh, even executives, when they're going through in, in strategy sessions, um, I've be- it's been a common practice for me now to use a lot more of that myself and to teach others how to do that. Mm. Um, so it, it's not like uh, a technical model. It's not cartoons but to be able to take some ideas and just clarify it, simplify yeah. it visually. Yeah. And, and, of course, these days you could do it on a screen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, with a stylus yeah. as well as on a flip chart or a piece of paper right. or a true whiteboard. You know, that's, that's really effective. I think. And,
0: and that's actually interesting because, um, you know, and, I, and I'll give some practical examples because every time you, you're talking, I'm just thinking about just simple things. So uh, just for our listeners out there, If you have a a company and you're trying to change or you want to have a larger discussion about the customer journey, don't put together like a, a, you know, X customer goes here, does this, presses that, and this is what, how about just draw it on a, okay, they walk into our spot. Here's what they do. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here's how they do it. Let's walk through that process. All right. So what's the new role? All right. Then they should go from here and we should be able to cut out. Like to me, what you're saying would make so much sense in those in those areas for if we're trying to map out a new customer journey. If we want to change, exactly. it, if we want to redo the experience that the customer has, whether it's with their thumbs. Right. Or whether it's yes. whether it's online or whether it's when they walk into our store. Right. That sort of thing that you just mentioned would would change the dynamic because now. We're not having a conversation about system should do X (laughs) and these things we're saying Mm -hmm. we're having a larger discussion because I can now see it. And I can also now um, I think it would be even more engaging because if I'm a developer looking at the customer journey, now I know what part I have to play. Now I know what we need to change. Now we can have a larger discussion and we can have a shared understanding around. Here's what we're actually trying to get to. Right. So I, I think that's a great point that you bring up.
1: And and I've found it to be uh, when you want a true conversation and you want to learn something and gain some buy in as opposed to it being a presentation right. or an interrogation, <laughs> uh, that is really helpful. And so for a meeting, as we talked about before, where you're trying to there's a decision to be made, mm-hmm. you may be trying to think through some different options and way to get there to be able to put a picture on the wall uh, and have everyone be able to understand it and talk to it that will engage people a lot more and and i've turned selling conversations to be far less about presentation and more like i can draw a picture not about my stuff but about say workflows or problems or issues with with customers and, and and patterns that are there and let my prospect or my customer can talk to that themselves so we're really drawing a picture not about ourselves but about their world. That's awesome. And that gets them engaged. Man, that's awesome. And so um, I had a, a, a sales manager. We were going through that sort of exercise and he said, Should I let the, uh, we were talking about actual whiteboarding. And he said, Should I let my customer have the marker? And I go, That's the sign of a great Absolutely. conversation. They're saying, You know what, Chris, um, this, this looks like me. That looks like me. This is different. Let me show you. Right. And so now you have gone on a journey together. Uh, to help solve some issues or, or chase an opportunity that, that wasn't recognized before. So, I would say if there's one skill that I've seen have great uh, effectiveness, whether they be for internal planning and, and setting priorities or external uh, in, in selling and marketing and service, the ability to do that, uh, have just the, the, the basic structure of visual selling or, or whiteboarding. Has been uh, a real uh, game changer for a lot of business absolutely
0: absolutely well listen jim this has been a great conversation thank you so much for uh joining us in this busy holiday season and what i want to make sure that for our audience um that you do is uh we will make sure that you have uh links down below in the description there will be uh, information for you to be able to get in touch with people like jim who's a great person on learning how to manage uh, your message it doesn't matter whether your message is is humongous in nature uh but he really does focus more on the everyday messaging how you're coming across what you're putting together because your messaging even tells a story about your brand um and so it's really really important uh to do that so we'll, we'll make sure that we provide that as well but i hope that this conversation for Uh, those in our audience no matter whether you're uh, a a person who's in middle management whether you're an executive on operating committee or whether you're just somebody who's an individual contributor wanting to learn and grow i hope that you found this conversation effective uh and and something that you can take into not only uh the rest of this year but also going into 2018 as well so jim thank you so much for your time and thank you for being a part of the high level wisdom for new generation leaders podcast
1: Chris, thank you. Uh, congratulations on uh, the continued growth of the podcast uh, and your cool new studio, uh, <laughs> where I'm sure you have a great knife collection Absolutely. there as well. Absolutely. <laughs> uh,